Good afternoon, my sisters and brothers in Christ. Um, find it a privilege each time that God would have chosen me to speak on his behalf. Last four weeks, we have just been looking at the covenant, the commandment, and the spirit. And this week, we want to look at living in the power of the new covenant. We want to look at what it means to live in the power of the new covenant and how to do we live in that power. The question I want to ask you today that I want you to reflect on and contemplate on is how obedient are you to God? Do you immediately respond to God's instructions or do you operate in a delay manner? If you are living a life 70% surrendered and obedient to God, who are you 30% surrendered and obedient to? I'm going to ask the questions again. How obedient are you to God? Do you immediately respond to God's instruction? Do you act upon it instantly as you recognize his voice? Do you move out to follow? Do you move out to obey? And if you are living a life 70% surrendered and obedient to God, who are you 30% surrendered and obedient to? Father, let the words of my mouth be your words this morning. Father, you know how to convey your words to your people. You know what we individually need to hear and how we will respond to what we hear. The Father, may each person's message, the message that I deliver today, may it be tailor-made to meet the need of each person. May each person today on Zoom hear your voice individually and respond to you. The Father, we just thank you for your word and I bless your word today as it goes about to accomplish that which you had purposed for it to do from the beginning in Jesus' name we pray amen so the question that I asked earlier I want you to reflect on I want you to pay attention to it 70% surrender maybe you're 80% surrendered or 90% surrendered but who are you surrendered and obedient to the difference 10, 20, do you immediately respond? You, you know you. You know how you are. And, and the scripture that we'll be looking at this morning, Ezekiel 36, 24 to 28, which was read by Anne, speaks about the Israelite having a long history of rebellion against God. We see over and over from the beginning that the Israelites had moments when they were totally obedient, when they obeyed, they said, Lord, anything you say to do, we will do. We saw that in Moses in Exodus. But now they are in exile. They were brought into Babylonian captivity because of rebellion. They were not 100% surrendered to God. But despite, despite God's faithfulness and abundant blessing, they rebelled against him and they turned away to worship idols and indulge in sinful practices. As a result, God's judgment fell upon them and they were exiled from their land. 
The consequences of their disobedience were severe and they experienced the pain of separation from their homeland and the loss of God's presence. So God was no longer there walking with them day by day as he was when they were going through the wilderness. He was no longer there with them, giving them step by step falling manna from the heavens to feed them because they were in rebellion and the consequences of their disobedience was severe punishment and judgment from God, which led them into captivity, Babylonian captivity. Imagine living with, losing, having a grown accustomed to the presence of God, but now reaching to that place where you're no longer experiencing God's presence because you're in rebellion and operating in idolatry. However, amidst their judgment, God, through the prophet Ezekiel, assures the Israelites, his people, of his faithfulness and declares his intention. He promised to restore. God promised to restore, transform, and to give the people of Israel a new spirit, a new heart, and the Holy Spirit to make it possible for them to obey him and live by his commands. God recognized that, that without the Holy Spirit, they could not totally obey. It was impossible for them to fully obey God without this empowering presence of the Holy Spirit that we looked at last week. In verse 24, God promised restoration to the people of Israel, which is my first topic, the, the, the promise of restoration. God promises to gather the Israelites from all the other nations and bring them home to the land of Canaan that he had given them in the time of Joshua. But despite their rebellion, God was demonstrating his unwavering commitment. Can you believe that? That when they are rebelling against God, God is saying to them, though you are re rebelling against me, I am going, I am committing myself to restore you. I am committing myself to fulfill this redemptive plan and covenant with the people of Israel that he did in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. God promised that he would intervene by physically gathering the Israelites who were scattered and exiled in various nations, including Babylon, and take them back to their homeland. However, for the fulfillment of the covenant, God gathering his chosen people from all corners of, of the earth is beyond physical restoration. So God recognized that to get these people from where they are, I, he had to physically remove them, physically gather them, physically take them from the captivity and the exile that they were currently living in, physically remove them from the nations from which they were exiled. But it was not only physical re re restoration. God recognized that it had to be done spiritually for them to maintain this restoration. So spiritually, God restores his chosen people through faith in Jesus Christ. And what he does, he unites them as one body in Christ. This restoration is characterized by reconciliation, forgiveness, and a renewed sense of belonging to God's people. So today you and I are able to benefit from this promise of restoration that came with the and fulfilled in the new covenant because God says physically it is, it, is, it is not enough to physically restore. For us to be redeemed to the Father, we had to experience that spiritual restoration. And so through Christ, 
And with the power of the Holy Spirit, God restored mankind unto himself and is continually doing it one after the other. As we come to know Christ, as we, we ask for forgiveness, as we confess our sins, he comes and he redeems us unto himself through, through the blood of Jesus and the work done by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. God not only promised restoration to his people, but he also promised that after he brings them back to himself, he would transform them. In verses 25 to 26, God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and you will no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Notice the order in which the inward change was going to happen. God will sprinkle water and clean them or, or cleanse them. And he will cleanse them from their impurity. Then he was going to give them a new heart and he was going to put a new spirit in them. And he would take away the stony heart and stubborn heart from them and give them a heart that was responsive to him. First, he would sprinkle clean water on his people. In the Old Testament, the sprinkling of water was often associated with purification rituals for the remo removal of ceremonial defilement. Water was used to cleanse and remove, remove impurities, which symbolizes the washing away of sins and the restoration of purity before God. In the New Testament, the promise of cleansing with water is also fulfilled in the new covenant established by Jesus. Through the finished work on the cross, believers having confessed and repented of their sins are cleansed and purified through baptism, which signifies a spiritual cleansing and identification with Christ's death and resurrection. And you can see this in Acts 22, verses 1 to verses 16, and, and 1 Peter 3, verses 21. The act of sprinkling clean water represents God cleansing, purifying, renewing, and forgiving his people from their sins of disobedience, sins of rebellion and idolatry. It highlights the transformative power of forgiveness and the washing away of sin that removes an individual from their former state of uncleanliness by washing away their sins and restoring a relationship with God. Second, God promised the gift of a new heart to work inside out. This new heart would accomplish far more than external change or behavior modification because God wasn't going about the, going after the external or the earth outward the things that we can do and others would look on and say they are changed. No, God was going after internal change. He wanted to give them a new heart. And with the new heart, he said they would be changed. Remember in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34, where it says, I will write in their mind and I'll write on their heart. Here it is, God is saying, this new heart that I'm giving to you, I will write my laws and my commands on it so that you'll be careful to do it because now you don't have to go and memorize it, but it is now inside of you changing you from the inside out. 
as Israel entered into relationship with God, they would experience a real change of heart that would influence how they respond to God. It would give them a new disposition. It would influence their desire, their motives, and their affections. Think about it. The moment when you become saved, your heart started to be changed and transformed to desiring the thing that God desired. God knew that a new heart was necessary to, for us to be inclined away from selfishness and sin towards a life of godliness and righteousness. A man who does not accept Christ who has yet to confess his sins and repent of his sins are turned towards godlessness, are turned towards selfishness, are turned towards sin. But the moment God gives us that new heart that he has written on, we are inclined towards godliness and righteousness. With a new heart, God promises transformation. He said they would now become more sensitive to his voice. They would now be more sensitive to his leading and his promptings and be able to have a deeper relationship with him. They would begin to desire what is pleasing to God and align their will with his. A new heart enables us to respond to God's love, mercy and grace with obedience, devotion and love. So the question I asked earlier, how obedient are you? Are you 70%? A man with an undivided heart or a new heart has that inclination where he's turned to wanting to please God and align his will with God's will. God desired to cleanse his people from their sins and to enable them to live in obedience to him. The third point that I want us to look at is that the promise of transformation, in the promise of transformation, God promised to put a new spirit within them. A new spirit signifies regeneration or spiritual rebirth. It is a transformation of the innermost being from spiritual death to spiritual life. With a new spirit, God's people are now empowered to have an intimate relationship with him and live a life pleasing to him. Because prior to the new spirit, it was impossible to have an intimate relationship with God. Man, no matter how they tried, no matter how much offerings and bulls and goats that were offered, it was impossible because ever so often they would sin and they would have to go and go with these, these animals to sacrifice before the Lord to be cleansed. But with this new spirit and the new heart, God says, I am empowering you to live a life empowered, to live an intimate life with him, to have an intimate relationship with him. The new spirit brings about uh, the, a process of sanctification, which gradually allows the individual or the believer to conform day by day to the image of Christ. Fourth point under the promise of transformation. God promised to remove their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. A stony heart and a stubborn heart is de described as spiritual condition that is characterized by hardness of heart. When our hearts are stony and stubborn, we have a hardness of heart and it is impossible for us to hear and to respond to God's voice and word. 
we become insensitive to the needs and feelings and the suffering of others. We become disobedient and rebellious against God's commands. We become inflexible and unyielding. We, we are known to dig our heels in to do what we want to do. We prefer to do things our way. We become self-centered and our desire is for our own purpose, not for God's purpose. We are resistant to God's influence. And as a result, we are unable to receive God's good seed that are planted in the soil of our hearts. While I am speaking, I want you to still be contemplating on how surrendered, how yielded are you? On the other hand, God promised to replace the stony heart with a tender, responsive heart. It's as if God is saying, I'm giving you everything you need to live the way I have called you to live. I am going to remove, I am going to cleanse you. First, he said, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back from where you were physically. I am going to wash you with water. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And now he says, I am going to replace the stony heart that you have with a tender, responsive heart. A tender, responsive heart is opposite to a stony, stubborn heart. It is a spiritual condition characterized by sensitivity to God's leading. It is characterized by the receptive Recept and a reception to God's word is obedient to God's command, tender and responsive to others. It humbly submits to God's authority. A tender, responsive heart is a heart of flesh that is pliable in God's hands, that enables believers to grow in their relationship with God and be transformed by God's grace. It allows individuals to be the instrument of love and compassion to others. The image of a transformed heart is an open, surrendered hand. And I want to share this morning with you a, 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 a picture of what it looks like to have a surrendered heart. The image of a surrendered heart looks like a palm turned upwards. The image of a transformed heart is an open and surrendered palm. It is new. I'm sharing my screen with you so you can also see it and read it. It is new. It is tender. It is responsive. It is a heart that has the new spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a heart that is willing and fully submitted to God's will, commands, purposes, and guidance. It portrays an attitude of trust, openness, surrender, receptivity, obedience, and complete dependency on God. So if you have a surrendered heart, if you have a new heart, if you have a tender heart, it has to be a heart that trusts God. It has to be a heart that dependency is totally and completely on God and not on self or any other or on anything that we know. 
Sometimes it is easy to trust and to surrender to our bank accounts and to trust our monies or to trust the people we know who can provide our needs. But God is saying for you to have a new heart that is totally surrendered to him, it has to be a heart that trusts him, is open to him, is surrendered to him, it is responsive to him. Receiving a new heart, a new spirit, and a tender and a responsive heart is a result of the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you and I can do in and of ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We cannot have a responsive heart by ourselves. We cannot do it by ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. My third promise promise to you this morning that the Lord says that he promised you the Holy Spirit. He promises the Holy Spirit. In verse 27, God promised the people of Israel and he says to them, and I, notice, and I will put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you to do and to live by my commands. It, in essence, God is saying to them, it is impossible for you to do what I tell you to do without my spirit. It is impossible for you to obey my command without my spirit. So no matter how much you try to do it, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, God is telling his people and he's saying to us this morning, you cannot do what I tell you to do. You cannot obey me. You cannot surrender. You cannot yield 100% to me, to him, no matter how much you try. 80% surrender is insufficient. 90%, 95, 99.99% .99 surrender is, it is impossible to do without the Holy Spirit. And God is saying to you, I want all of you. The promise indwelling Holy Spirit necessitates the redemptive work of God that began with Jesus and is in another aspect of the new covenant. God empowers his people through the Holy Spirit in obedience to God's instruction, to follow God's instruction. You cannot follow God's instructions. I cannot follow God's instructions without the Holy Spirit. Actually, I wouldn't even know what God's instructions are without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that is pleasing to God, enabling us to walk in righteousness. It enables us to love and to serve God and others in sincerity and in devotion. Living in the power of the new covenant is a call to embrace and experience the transformative work of Jesus Christ in our lives. It involves actively participating in the benefits and blessings that the new covenant offers. We cannot live in the power of the new covenant in our own strength. We can't do it. You cannot do it. You cannot obey everything that God has commanded you to do in your own strength. But for us to do that, we must embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. It must be clear that the Holy Spirit cannot live in an old, stony, stubborn heart. It is a filthy place devoid of all good and full of enmity to God and the Holy Spirit cannot thrive in such an environment. The Holy Spirit is only able to thrive in environments that are yielded 
environments that are submitted, environments in which man and woman desire to obey God. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that believers are enabled to live a life pleasing to God and bear witness of his transformative power in the world. So how do we live? We live by seeking intimacy. The new covenant invites you and it invites me to seek intimacy with God, to cultivate a prayer life. And this morning we prayed that our sister and led us to pray for the different things around the world, for ourselves and to pray about the, 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 the different things happening in the world that, that, that we need to, to be aware of. We need to seek time in the word and to seek to know God. That's the only way the ways which, in which we can live in the power of this new covenant. We have to live in freedom from sin. The new covenant liberates us from sin. And when you're liberated from the power of sin, sometimes you and I go back and we get ourselves yoked in sin by yielding again. As believers, we have been crucified with Christ. And therefore, sin no longer has dominion over us. Can you believe that? I don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to sin anymore. When we never, when God, when we did not have that new heart and God did not put his spirit in us and we replace our stony, stubborn heart with a tender, responsive heart, we were bound to sin. We had no alternative. But because of the work of Christ, God is saying to us, you can live in the power of the new covenant by living liberated from sin because you are no longer bound by sin. Sin no longer has dominion over you and over me. And so what God is saying to us this morning, for us to embrace and to live in the power of the new covenant, we must embrace God's promise. God promised to write his law on our hearts, in our minds. The new covenant is filled with promises of provision. God says, I will provide. He says, I will forgive your sins and remember them no more. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so will I forgive your sins and remember them no more. God is saying, I will provide guidance for you. I will restore you. I will transform you by giving you a new heart so that you can obey me. How can we do this? We need to study and meditate on God's promises. Because if you don't know the promises, how can you, how can you remind God of his promises? If you don't know the promise, you don't know even don't know how God asks or intends for you to live. God is saying to us, when we live in the power of the new covenant, we live trusting in his faithfulness. Walk in the love and grace. The new covenant emphasizes love and grace. And it says when we extend love and forgiveness and grace to others. We do it the same way God has done it for us, no less. To live in the power of the new covenant, we have to embrace the freedom that, that God gives us. We have to remind, we have to remember the promises that we have from God. We have to seek the intimacy that God has given us. We have to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in us. God is saying to you and he's saying to me this morning, the only way you and I can obey and follow 
is instructions. The only way you can live a life 100% surrendered and in obedience to him, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. You must yield. So to, to, so to live in the power of the new covenant requires that you yield to the Holy Spirit. Require that you embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Require that you recognize that you are, you are free from sin. Sin no longer holds you captive. Oh God, what a promise. What a privilege. What an awesome work that God has done by causing you and I to no longer live under bondage to sin, but live in the promise of the new covenant. I don't know how you feel this morning about that, but I'm excited. I don't know if you're, because when I think about my life, how sin held me captive many years ago, where, where I sin not because I want to, but I sin because that was my nature and God said, I removed your old nature. And I have given you a new nature. A new nature that caused you to desire the things of God. A new nature that caused you to, to, to want to live in union with God. A new nature that causes you that despite no matter what it is, it's a renewed spirit, a new heart that makes it possible for you to obey God. Hallelujah. God is saying to you and he's saying to me this morning, I, am, I have restored you. Those of us who have already said yes to Christ, those of us who have already confessed our sins to Christ and repented of our sins, God says, I have restored you. And I have given you a new heart. I have given you, I have put my spirit inside of you. And I am transforming you moment by moment so that you can conform to the likeness of Christ. This morning, my sisters and my brothers, I pray that you will learn, that you and I will learn to live in the covenant. Live, live, live in the power of the new covenant. The, the new covenant have a lot of power. It has a lot of the power which we miss out sometimes. And that is why we live defeated lives. That is why sometimes I don't trust God. That is why I become anxious. That is why I worry. Because I do not realize that there is a power that is made available to me by the new covenant. Because the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers us. And he says, Ever. And he called you by name. He said, because I indwell you, you do not have to worry when things are going wrong. You do not have to worry when you cannot understand the next step, when you do not know how to turn or where to turn. I have empowered you to live. I have empowered you to live. I have empowered you to live and I have empowered you. And so in Ezekiel 36, when Ezekiel saw the dead bones and God said, can those dead bones live? And in your situation, you may be asking, can these dead things in my life live? Can the dead mortgage live? Can the dead bill live? Can the sickness in my body, can I live? God is saying to you, you can live in the power of the new covenant because the Holy Spirit makes it possible. 
and through the Holy Spirit, you are guaranteed the promises of God. God says, I will provide for you. Oh my God. God says, I will give you a new heart so you don't have to walk around with a heart of, of stone anymore. God says, I will cleanse you from your sins and enable you to obey me. God says, I, he, he will give you the, uh, a sanctified heart. He'll empower you to be, have relationship with him. He'll remove that stony heart and give you a heart that was receptive to him. So this morning, right where you are, I showed you the, the, the image of a, of a surrendered heart, of a new heart that is surrendered to God. It, it is the image of hands cupped, turned upwards to God. And this morning I want right where you are, you turn your hand if you're surrendering. If when I asked the question at the beginning, you, you, you knew that you weren't 100% surrendered. You knew that you were 95, 80, 70, because there's a part of you still that want to do things your way. I ask you right this morning, if you're willing to surrender, if you're willing to yield all of you, 100% of you, I ask that you cup your hands and turn it upwards to God. Demonstrating to God this morning that God, I am yielding all of me to you. Lord, the only way I can live in the power of the new covenant is when I yield my life to you. And as my, I yield my life to you, I give the Holy Spirit full access in me to change me, to birth within me a new heart. I yield to you. This morning as I prepared to come and share I was moved to reflect upon my own life and to see in the areas in my life that I was not surrendered. Where I thought I was surrendered, but I saw areas in my life that I wanted to control. And that is why I worry. But this morning, like you, I say to the Father, Lord, I yield all of me to you again. God, I recognize that I cannot do it without you. I recognize I cannot walk this walk without you, Father. I recognize, Father, that the, the stony heart does not bear fruit. You cannot, you cannot dwell in a heart that is stony and rocky. You cannot dwell in a filthy place. You cannot dwell in a, in a stubborn heart. You cannot dwell in a heart that's devoid of all the good things of God. You cannot dwell, Holy Spirit, in a heart that is full of enmity with God. And so, Father, this morning, I yield. I yield. I yield to you, Father. Take all of me this morning. Take all of me, Father. Lord, we sometimes ask you for more of you. And I'm so reminded when you said to me, I cannot give you any more, I've given you all. What the change that the change that needs to occur requires you, Ava, 
giving me all. All for all. Some of us, we recognize when we are in relationship and we get 50%, we're withholding part of ourselves. Just in case something goes wrong, we hold back 50% of ourselves. Are we in a relationship and you're giving 70 and the other person giving 30? Are you putting in 100 and the other person not as committed? But God is saying, no, I have given you all. And for you to be beneficiaries of my all, you have to give me your all. Because you cannot receive all when you have not yet yield all. And so, Father, this afternoon, I yield. Sometimes, Lord, disappointed in my actions, my thoughts, my reaction to things. But I yield today. Recognizing, Father, that yielding all means I have no control. I'm giving up control. I'm relinquish, rel, rel, relinquishing control to you. It means that, Father, I am saying to you at this moment, God, I, will, I won't worry. I will trust. I won't complain. I will trust. I will obey when you speak, God. Because the only thing, God, that demonstrates my yieldedness is my willingness to obey completely. And so here we are this morning. Those of us who are saying, I surrender. I surrender all so that I can live in the power of the new covenant. So Father, here I am. Here we are, Father. Here we are, Father. We recognize we can't do it without you. So you show us. You show us how each day, how to conform more to Christ. And so, Father, we give you thanks. And we bless your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.